0: Hello and welcome to The Art of Work, a podcast looking at how we find fulfilment as we pay the bills. I'm Christina Patterson, I'm a writer, broadcaster, and coach, and today I'm really delighted to welcome Jan Lucason, one of the world's top experts on the history of work. His recent book, The Story of Work, is described as the first truly global history of work from the age of the hunter-gatherer to the present day. I've reviewed it for The Guardian, and it's brilliant. Jan Lukasen is emeritus professor at the Free University of Amsterdam and an honorary fellow at the International Institute of Social History. In this podcast, he talks about the history of vocation, the need for recognition and the myths that are sold about entrepreneurs. I'm not sure how many people grow up thinking, I want to be one of the world's top experts on the history of work. (laughs) As, As a child, did you have any sense of what you wanted to do when you grew up?
1: Um. Yes, but you'll be uh, surprised what, well, oh, it's not really, I don't know whether I had the thought or, or uh, certainly some adults had the thought. I grew up in, in, a, in the deep south of our country, which is a Catholic uh, province, my father being a schoolteacher and my mother a nurse, having become a full-time mother because I'm the eldest of nine. And in the small village where I grew up, there were no secondary schools and not even in the neighborhood. So suddenly the idea came up, and I was certainly not the only one, to go to a seminary and to become a missionary. Yeah. And that was, uh, was a boarding school, uh, which, of course, gave me the opportunity to uh, graduate from uh, what, what we call a gymnasium which is where you uh, we had eight hours of Greek per hour per week and eight hours of Latin and that kind of stuff, and French and German and English. And so. And in the beginning, it, it was quite a nightmare because, well, coming from this school, I, I didn't know what to do and I failed and I had to double a class. And, but let's say around the age of 15, 16, it, it became fun. But... At the same time, I lost my what they call in Catholic um, uh, circles uh, my vocation. Mm-hmm. So after, immediately after the, the final examinations, I left the seminary and I went to Leiden University. And there, actually, I wanted to uh, to uh, become a prehistorian. I was I was fascinated about all the old skulls and where we came from and so on. But that was, um, you could only study that at Leiden after a BA in, in other fields. And I did, decided to do um, uh, uh, art history and archaeology. But <laughs> the, uh, all my co-students who did art history, they came from The Hague, from very uh, posh uh, backgrounds. That was something different from the circles where I came from. Um, and so I felt very uneasy there again, <laughs> and then I switched to history, and uh, in uh, um, uh, which I liked, uh, I liked, but I was not very impressed by most of my teachers. And then, um, at the moment when I got my BA and uh, was qualified to study prehistory. Then I was very much involved in all kinds of support actions for guest workers. And I thought, no, I cannot waste my life to, in prehistory. I should do something more significant, what I thought was significant. Maybe that was the old missionary and myself. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I then I decided to, to do social and economic history, which I thought was much more uh, relevant and important. And there, I got interested in the history of work, amongst others, but also many other topics.
0: I'm so fascinated that you um, actually felt you had a vocation in the traditional sense. Because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, was vocation. Because the theme of the podcast, yes, yes, the the, the theme of the podcast, it's is it's the art of work, and the theme of the podcast is essentially how we find fulfillment and meaning in work. I see. And um, and views on vocation have changed hugely in history. There have been traditional, uh, obviously, priesthood becoming a monk or a nun, uh, also becoming a poet or artist or yeah. a doctor or a nurse. There have been traditional professions or crafts that have been regarded as a vocation, and then many others. That haven't, but I was so interested that you you quote um, an ancient Egyptian scribe who wrote, "I am a craftsman who excels in his art and is at the forefront of knowledge." And you also mentioned that in ancient Greece, painters signed vases, sculptors signed statues, and some medalists signed coins. So, do you think humans have always found or hope to find fulfillment in work?
1: Um. Well, I can't prove it, of course, uh, but I think that is the case because um, I think humans want to be significant, maybe fundamentally for themselves, but you only can be significant. Uh, uh, for yourself if others recognize it. Otherwise, if, if nobody confirms that you have any significance, I think it's very difficult to uphold that, that idea. So if that is true, then we depend on the recognition by others. And that means that we do well, maybe it's a bit negative to say so, but to impress others and to mm. convince others that we have a value. And if most of our time in, well, for, for, for most of our people is, is spent in work, then that's the way how we do it. And I was recently thinking about it because, well, of course, I now with friends and relatives and so on, I have discussions about the book. And then they say, but, well, a, a lot of people despise their work eh, and say so, that they do. But I think that it depends totally uh, uh, who is asking uh, uh, people about their work. Mm. I mean, it, it to be negative about your work can very well be a kind of self-defense mm. uh, because so you only... In a way, you only want to confess that you value your work and that you like your work vis-a-vis people whom you uh, can trust that they will not abuse this knowledge mm. or lies. is that a word? Yeah,
0: ridicule, yeah. Yeah,
1: you, yeah, you uh, for that. So I think you need to have a kind of safe space in which you can express... Uh, The pride of your work.
0: Uh... That's such an interesting point. I was talking to a friend yesterday who works with homeless people and uh, she took a career change from doing something else. She's paid very badly and it's challenging work, but she finds it Uh quite fulfilling. But she works in... A, a sort of hub with NHS receptionists who clearly don't like their work take no pride in it try to do as little mm. as possible look at their phones mm. all day long and it's mm. and one of those is working in a traditional field healthcare where you're meant to have a vocation and and she isn't but um, one has a sense of fulfillment and the others don't and I, I think it's such a fascinating issue about defensiveness but also who you, The kind of cultural norms about what you can say in some cultures, uh, particularly in the public sector in certain countries, it would be deeply uncool to say you enjoyed your work or even to work hard because the challenge is to do as little work as you can get away with. And and in others, it's all about purpose and passion and, you know, showing you you want to do your best. So it's a fascinating point
1: yeah and, uh, and well, there is so much to it because you have also intellectuals and sometimes I'm also among them who don't dare to say that they are intellectual, that you like to uh, have, that in some circumstances mm. that, that is not not wise to do. And uh, uh, vice versa, that must be the case for many people. So it is I think it's hard. To to have a realistic view of how people think about themselves in work, eh? mm-hmm. sometimes it's very obvious, eh? but uh, uh, but very often it is not, and uh, work and hard work and especially underpaid work, uh, well, the underpayment itself is already a way of despising people mm. um, then people I think are, are uh, understandably very cautious to to be uh, to be honest about what they do uh, and, and how they appreciate it or maybe how much they would like to appreciate their own position but uh, so it's it's all about yeah all about expectation because mm. it's such a, a social interaction, uh, uh, well, I'm not a psychologist, but I think that's more or less how I think about
0: it. Your your book is literally a history of work from our hunter-gatherer ancestors 700,000 years ago to the present day. How long did it take you?
1: Uh, Well, um, in a way, yeah you can say you can answer this question in many ways in a way 30 years since let's say uh, 1991 i got a chair in university and then uh, no 1988 i was asked by the international institute of social history to start a research department for all kinds of reasons they did not have a research department had a, a great department for library uh, archives uh, source editions but not a research department well one of the first questions i posed myself and i, I was was totally free how to do it uh, was well what will be the topic of such a research department because if, if what i hated in university was that everybody did something they liked which is such is nice of course but then there is no no um, how do you call it? um there is no... Coherence, maybe? Yeah, and even more, you don't inspire each other. Mm. It is just, if I don't say anything nasty about you, then you don't say anything nasty about me. I think that is that is very general in universities. Anyhow, so I thought, let's have a topic. And uh, then, uh, well, because of uh, the, the, the records that uh, the Institute held, but increasingly because of the fall of the, the, the wall of Berlin, I thought, what is the the most impopular topic now? And that's labor, and that's work, and communism, and the like. Well, um, I've I've never been active politically, but that that was clear that that was uh, because. And I thought at the same time, but it is so important. It is it is crucial. So if nobody does it, if we have good records in the institute, let us do it. I. I quickly knew that what I did not want to, to restrict it to 19th century bourgeois ideas about what work was. Uh-huh. And, of course, Karl Marx was also a bourgeois. Mm. It was a great one, but uh, all, and, and all these limited Western European concepts and, uh, uh, well, and then, of course, consideration uh, that uh, women, and then I always go back to my mother worked as hard or as or harder than man. So and then how to bring this all together? And I wanted to read a book about it. And there was not such a book.
0: The scale of the research is absolutely breathtaking. It's also really fascinating. And you essentially argue that there are six types of labor relations. And you say that they were all evident in Meso- Mesopotamia, uh, now Iraq, by about a 1,000 BC and that they've been pretty constant ever since. You mentioned reciprocal and tributary work, which have non-monetary rewards, wage work, self-employment, subcontracting and slavery. Now, I don't think anyone's going to argue that slavery is uh, going to give you a good sense of fulfilment at work. But I wondered how you would rate the others in terms of a kind of happiness satisfaction scale do you see a hierarchy there
1: there is a hierarchy i think but maybe not necessarily among these these uh, types of uh, of labor relations that you just uh, quote Uh, i think the hierarchy has to do with autonomy the higher the autonomy um uh, the more satisfaction Potentially, because then, of course, comes the other argument that others have to recognize it. And yes. I mean, if you are uh, uh, super autonomous uh, and nobody uh, is interested in what you do, then the satisfaction yes. will not be there. So it, it, uh, in a matrix, I, I think that it, the combination of the two uh, will more or less predict, uh, predict it. Uh? If you are, uh, well, uh, let's say if if, if you are a housewife eh, and your your task is to uh, take care of the of, of the meals and and uh, upbringing of the children, eh, uh, that can be highly satisfactory. But if your husband eh, hates you, thinks you are lousy, that you all you should do it differently, etc. Uh, then you might be autonomous in in how to organize the ironing, etc., but it brings you nothing. eh? Or vice versa, if he thinks that you are a very good housewife, eh? but he says at what day, at what time, you are ironing from left to right or from right to left, well, then the fun will be quickly over. eh? So... uh, I am improvising now but, no, but that's, I think that's these... very
0: that's very that's very interesting response because one of the things you talk about in the preface is the idea that emerged sort of after the collapse of the Berlin wall about um not just autonomy but this dream of everyone being independent entrepreneurs everyone hiring out their creative talents to the highest bidder and I think you say in that scenario the entrepreneur is a hero the ordinary worker is a slave But it's not as simple as that, is it? And everybody now, you know, young people in particular often imagine that if they have a creative talent, then the portfolio life is the way to pursue it. And it might be. But that mixture of recognition and autonomy is so interesting can you sort of say a bit more about your feelings about the portfolio life because you clearly feel quite strongly about this
1: well in, uh, uh, as i described let's say in, in classical antiquity and we are all victims of this image you have the image that the only worthwhile life is that of a landowner a big landowner and huh? And, and, and then you are free to participate in government and in democracy and so on. Eh? But this is a certain image of a certain class eh? which was very influential and has uh, influenced our idea. Now you have another influential idea or, or let's say in between. You have the, the social democratic idea of the male breadwinner. Eh? Well, that is a man who can afford to take care of his wife and his children without her working outside. That's another idea. Huh? Uh, um, and now we have this idea, which is, uh, has been propagated very much well, over the last uh, well, 10, maybe 20 years, huh? about all these small independent uh, entrepreneurs and you have it everywhere and then you have it a small boy or girl of 14 who already by uh, exposing him or herself uh, um, in the social media can make a fortune and so on. That's that's such a prevailing ideology, which I hate, not because I'm against uh, creative uh, individuals, but it's an illusion for 90 uh, or 95% of all of us. eh? We don't combine the skills to do this, yeah? So uh, I'm not uh, not against uh, creativity, not at all. Right? But the illusion that uh, that we all can uh, fulfill our lives that way is is uh, is idiot.
0: The, I think the other thing that just isn't talked about is that one of the things about being freelance is that you you can, and I know because having been in an industry where so many people are losing their jobs you then then, and you are at an age where you can't just knock on a door and get another job um you have to piece together a portfolio and um and everything is a balance between autonomy freedom money status and all the rest of it but i don't think very many people are honest about the sheer amount of effort that goes into finding work that you could spend much more of your time looking for work than actually doing work yeah. and the realities of, of all of that yeah.
1: no and it's it's also a uh, naivety which is uh, which is understandable I, I remember vividly that the first salary that i got then uh, uh, the 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 salary slip said of course you have uh, worked uh, this month and so on you earn so much and then the pension premium is such. I, th- I vividly remember that me and my friends, we've all been laughing about. Imagine thinking about your pension. Mm. How stupid could you be uh, uh, on this uh, self-employment? Mm. It, it is, uh, you, you as adults or elderly people, we should know how appealing it is to younger people. Eh? and uh, uh, we we should not we should not uh, lure them into this eh? but as i said for, for maybe 5 or 10% it's fine i'm not in principle against it but i'm against the illusion mm. of it, the the selling of the illusion that we all can become happy in this yeah. way
0: yeah it's very interesting, actually. I was at a conference a few years ago and Liz Truss, who is now our foreign secretary, I don't think she had a government role at the time. She was speaking and she talked about sort of armies of entrepreneurs. And I stuck up my hand and I said, you do realise, don't you, that the average earning of a self-employed person in this country is £10,000. And um, she didn't like the contribution at all <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, and kind of, you know, dismissed it. But, it you know, I don't know what the figure is now, but I very much doubt it's all that much higher. I think there's just not very much honesty about this whole area. But it's a complicated business also in terms of, so on the one hand, you have this, everybody can be entrepreneurs or have a portfolio life or whatever, dreams, stroke, aspiration, stroke, myth. And on the other there are lots of kind of books and podcasts now talking about discover your true calling um, as if this was something ordained on high by the universe or or whoever. Um, now, clearly, the idea of vocation goes back a long way. And you talked about how in Europe, in, in, I don't know how you pronounce it, but in fourth millennium BC, there were leather workers, washermen, reed workers, barbers, weavers, builders, metal workers, potters, priests, musicians, and scribes, that the scribes had their own Vocational training. Which jobs would you say were regarded as vocations?
1: Well, it, it, it depends uh, directly, I think, on the uh, ideology. If, if the uh, uh, if let's say the prevailing ideology uh, is like in most of those societies, uh, uh, very um, um, uh, theo, uh, theocratic, uh, then. Obviously Obviously, priests and uh, all people contributing to the temple uh, uh, or whatever other uh, religious center uh, will be valued uh, in that ideology. eh? And that will be linked, uh, obviously, uh, with uh, vocation. eh? But in, uh, let's say, society uh, where... um, uh, Uh, Let's say farming is the most important, can be the real worker, not uh, uh, as contrasted to carpenting and smithing and so on. Uh, So um, it it, it depends, and and let's say in a uh, uh, matriarchal society, then uh, uh, let's say, Bearing uh, 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 children and Mm. raising children can be very important in an intellectual society. Then uh, teaching, uh, uh, like uh, let's say around 1900s, then uh, teaching had a a very high status because it was uh, the beginning of compulsory uh, 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 universal education. Mm. Well, the military is another example the negation of it is of course uh, uh, um, that you despise certain uh, uh, i mean uh, ideologically and that goes back to your form the former issue that you raised Uh, what i uh, also say somewhere in my book is that i think that uh, the left socialism and communism has failed to appreciate the initiative of the self employed and, uh, and the small craftsmen and, and also the small farmers. They have not, in maybe Sweden is a different uh, case where you had a Social Democratic Party which really appreciated the farmers, eh? and some other uh, so, uh, Scandinavian countries, but most countries, the socialists have not carved out a, a good space for initiative and creativity um. and so on. Eh? So then I hope you see that's not not a contradiction of what mm. I just said. It is it is just how to show how difficult it is to have a kind of of balanced um, a balanced view on this.
0: Very interesting because my mother was Swedish and um, I always grew up with Sweden as the kind of model of social democracy and equality of opportunity and uh-huh. a civilized equal society. And in many ways, it is all of those things. But um, I remember coming back from Sweden once, and I was writing a column twice a week in the newspaper at that time, and I couldn't think of anything to write about. And I said to my boss, well, I I quite want to write about Sweden, but my mother won't like it. And then I couldn't think (laughs) of anything else to write about, so I did. And I wrote about how it was all marvellous and and, and, civilised and impressive, and everybody had the same lifestyle, and that was all great. But I said that coming back to Hackney was like waking up from a coma. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, my mother was sort of OK about it. But unfortunately, my Swedish aunt, it was highlighted in Sweden's daily paper. Aye, 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 me aye. <laughs> My aunt saw it and sent me a not very happy email. <laughs> so, but I do think that is the um, one of the constant kind of... Um, Challenges challenge really isn't about where you get dynamism and energy in a society yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and creative energy and where you get equality and america clearly goes very far in one direction and um, um i don't know where was. the netherlands is on this actually you would know i don't know what's your sense of where it is on that spectrum
1: well i i think it it it, it is now really exaggerating this uh, this idea of the well the, let's say the, the portfolio youngsters if that's mm, an expression interesting. Uh, yeah and and this uh, that, that that's that's a false illusion that they are giving a lot of people and uh, i think in a way corona has uh, the, uh, has proven this mm. uh, and uh, uh, what these people will face uh, uh, in in when they when Let's say then at a the later age, it's not only that they have not made savings, but that their uh, uh, um, uh, insurance uh, will be not enough, and of course that uh, all the effort that it takes, exactly as you say, how huh, how to acquire a, a, a job and how to acquire work, huh, that that's going to cost so much, so much time. Huh? And then when you have, well, have children, and oh, it is uh, then, let's say, the dull life of a, a wage slave uh, might be much, much more preferable for I think for the majority of the people.
0: Very interesting. You see, I think Adam Grant, the American um, professor at Wharton and sort of guru, I think he has a, a shtick about you know, love your work rather than. Because there, there, there is, you know, lots of people oh, say, yeah. find, uh, follow your passion, which, you know, is fine if you can be, if everyone can be a footballer or an Instagram influencer or whatever, um, but they can't. But obviously nobody wants to go into work thinking, oh, this is a life of wage slavery and drudgery and I'm not going to have any creative spark. And then the alternative argument is the Adam Grant one of you can find something to love in your work which, you know, could involve quite complicated mental contortions, really. Where where are you? And when, when youngsters or anyone comes to you, obviously, you know, more than anyone, really, not just obviously the history of work, but also you have a, a good sense of the global labour market. But in any place where someone would be, there would be a sense of what the actual labour market is, what the opportunities are. What advice would you give to people in that situation, knowing obviously that every human on this planet would ideally prefer not to hate their work?
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, um, if if somebody were to ask me uh, such a question, which I think nobody has done so far, maybe my children, I don't know, but uh, then, uh, well, it, it would be a kind of combination of do something where your heart goes to. Uh, the, the follow your heart. That's really important. At the same time, also try to have... The, a little bit a long-term perspective, mm. uh, uh, which is very difficult for youngsters. Yeah. I, mean, I certainly did not have it at the time, so who am I to, to say to somebody else? Good but did uh, <laughs> But uh, that's, that would be the, the, the combination of the two. But I think I would start by saying, follow your heart, do mm. what you really love to do. Uh, that... Uh, I think that's the beginning. Uh, so in, in the matrix, we were we were talking about that's, but but of course, uh, some certainty in the long run, huh? uh, uh, unless you have very. Uh, they're very rich parents who can all, always uh, get you out of the shit uh, and so on but that's of course not the reality of uh,
0: No or indeed a recipe for ha- or indeed a recipe for happiness I think I think a lot of No people, a lot of people <laughs> who inherit money are really quite miserable because they never do have the sense of satisfaction yeah, and achievement yeah. that comes from from creating these. I wanted to ask you about you know there's this whole idea now about work life balance and um, you talked about hunter gatherers and how complicated the work is. I was sort of, you know, amazed when I read about it, thinking, "Oh my goodness, you know, that's really, really complicated work." And also that most hunter gatherers, it seems from your research, have done, or other people's, you know, the anthropologists' research have done, sort of an eight to nine hour working day, generally speaking. You also talk about how in medieval times, the average working year was about 250 days, but by 1750, that had become sort of 300 days. But you also say that actually throughout history, globally, and throughout history, and even now, actually not very much of people's time is spent on free time or play or leisure pursuits. So where are you on this whole work-life balance question? Well, um,
1: I think f- first of all, uh, we human beings, um, hardly of, any of us is, if, if, if there were, let's say, if we all were to, to, to receive a, a full pension from the state from, from age 12 or so, huh? imagine, huh? Uh, and, and maybe technically that's also uh, possible, uh, but then I don't think that we that 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 we know how to make our life meaningful for most of us. Of course, there are there are splendid experts in laziness, but uh, most most people are, are not like this. Uh, so it, I think it, it is it is simply impossible for us to uh, lead a meaningful life if nobody is asking anything from us mm. uh, that that's that's again the, the the social aspect of well I think our human nature so um, that should be within uh, reasonable uh, uh, hours uh, which leave us time uh, not only to recover but also to uh, well to do frivolous things and so on. <laughs> that that's also part of life, uh, and and part of it is uh, as you say uh, that is it, is social. Uh, and, uh, well, for Britain, I don't have to uh, tell you about going to the pub. Uh, maybe some people go and spend too many hours in the pub, but it's least there you see that that. Even there, when you have leisure and free time you spend, you like to spend it with others, eh? and not uh, on your own on the couch before the TV or uh, uh, reading a book or, or whatever. So uh, uh, I find it hard, but <laughs> maybe that's my uh, limited view on it. I find it hard for, let's say, the the uh, uh, people. Uh, on average to to imagine a life uh, a non-working life as significant how else can you prove or show or demonstrate to uh, your co uh, uh, humans that that it's that it's uh, that you have a value
0: i would have said until you told me at the beginning of our conversation that you were from a catholic part of the netherlands and that you had a vocation to become a a priest or monk or uh, missionary. Um, I would have. I was going to ask if you had a Protestant work ethic. Um, it sounds to me like your Catholic work ethic is very like a Protestant work ethic. But <laughs> what uh, what what would you say?
1: Uh, Dutch Catholics are completely Protestant as to their uh, their attitude, uh, their work attitude, work ethics. Uh, I I certainly have been brought up, <laughs> and I think that was the general. Uh, uh, uh idea in the in, in the village where I come from in the background there, where I come from that it was it was uh, work was good and people who worked that was what it had to be and and other people who were lazy they were not um, uh, yeah, very clear. so hundred percent Protestant in that respect, I guess.
0: Would you say because you you your mother was a nurse your father was a teacher very much a public service background my mother was a teacher primary school teacher my father was a civil servant so and everybody in my te- entire extended family was in public service so i was certainly brought up to think that the point of work was to contribute to society and i think when i was um doing an ma and, and not showing very many signs of getting a job my father wrote me a letter saying that um, the, you know, the important thing for a citizen was to pay their taxes and render unto Caesar what was due unto Caesar, which I don't think many parents wrote to their 21-year-old daughters at the time. But um, yeah, you know, I had this strong, you know, really strong sense that, you know, you had to kind of knuckle down, earn a living. And also that creative pursuit was not really the thing, you know, like, I, I now write books as, Well, I've just written a a second book. Um, And that was certainly not, you know, that was slightly, I mean, my parents loved the arts, but I suppose the feeling would be that was slightly self-indulgent to go down a kind of artistic or creative route. Do you think, you know, as one of the world's leading scholars on work, but also the son of two public servants, do you think that your view on work remains kind of, in many ways, the vision that you had of work through your parents.
1: I guess so. Uh, Yeah, I I think that's that's my limitation, but also my wealth at the same time. But I Mm. have uh, uh, enough uh, relatives, and especially uh, on my mother's side, who are farmers, and they did not have that idea uh, you were just describing their pride in work was how the fields uh, looked like. Eh? And when, the, when I went there uh, as, as a young boy, then uh, what, what these, uh, especially these men did, was then walked around with the relatives uh, through the fields eh? and show how the wheat and so on uh, was looking like. And these were not big farmers. I mean, you have to think about... Uh, Let's say 10, 20 hectares or so, um, maybe 10 cows, uh, 20 cows. So that is, but that was their pride. It was clearly pride in their work, no doubt. Mm. Um, And uh, so that was, it. in that way, it was a different perspective. But basically, it was not different from how my, parents thought about it. It was all that you had, that you were significant to society, but not in this uh, uh, more narrow and uh, peculiar way as civil servants or especially uh, teachers.
0: You could also argue that any work well done that makes somebody's life better in some way, whether it's a cup of coffee or a nice piece of clothing or well-ploughed field that, that leads to wheat they will eat in their bread is part of a functioning yeah, yeah, society yeah. I mean there is there are some things you can argue that don't particularly make society better like you know running a betting shop or whatever but I mean you could argue it the other way around I probably yeah. wouldn't but um it, you know it, it's also can be that the public service uh, interpretation can be too narrow a lens I think yeah, I think that's yeah, right yeah yeah
1: so then, let's say, this whole idea of mm. vocation, which you rightly uh, 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 are uh, uh, pointing to now, can can be converted in something very nasty. Uh, uh, and mm. which, of course, all well-meant vocation. Imagine that I had become a missionary in the Congo, eh? converting all these Congolese. Eh? Eh? That would be my vocation. I would be convinced that it was for the... For the for these people uh, uh, to uh, to improve their life well i don't have to tell you how risky such a supposition is
0: yeah well i i i was also a missionary briefly in my youth but we won't go into that now but i've written about it in my my next book but it's not my proudest <laughs> episode let's put it that way um, so in the last few minutes of our our conversation i want to talk about your your career not just the broader ideas but um what have you been proudest of in your career i I
1: regularly uh, uh, meet uh, uh, old students ex-students who Mm. who say they have learned something from me so that is that is something to be proud of Uh, of course those who have not have learned nothing of me will not tell me so How objective is this? I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm quite proud of of this uh, cooperative effort at the Institute to to build a research department in in which my ideas have had the possibility to develop. Mm -hmm. That is is, uh, uh, something I'm proud of. Uh, uh, Well, and uh, for my household work, I'm, uh, I'm proud of my family.
0: No, right. oh, that's right. so nice that you. Oh, no, heard, no, no, no. I mean, no,
1: no, no. That's not not in order to be nice. No, no. I'm honest. This, mm. If I'm if I'm serious about my own definition of work, yes, then my household work is also part. Yes, of Yes, absolutely. And you and do so, say
0: in your um, book that everything you regard everything as work except kind yeah, of no. leisure time. Yeah.
1: So then, then, so then, the last conclusion, and and uh, is also a logical one. I. I, I I think before this moment I'd never thought of defining myself in this way, but to be, to be consistent, I should say this, given the fact that I'm really proud of it, but that's something else. Mm. It, it, it belongs it belongs to, the con- to this, yes. to, this uh, to this whole.
0: Yes. And what's the worst thing that's happened to you in your work life? <laughs>
1: um, um, when, when people were uh, dissatisfied about me, and I, I could be uh, so I, I'm not a good boss so I, I I could be really unhappy about it when 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 whatever I do I cannot be make people happy that that uh, and sometimes it has occurred uh, in my when I was uh, directing this uh, research department that's <laughs> terrible terrible. Uh, 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 and maybe sometimes uh, the, the same goes, well because now I try to be consistent about when something does not go well with your children, that you I think, oh, whatever I do, it of course it has it in in hindsight it all has to have its cause and so on. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a most happy father, but there are also moments when you can be uh, really about uh, unhappy about your work. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and sometimes uh, ashamed that you think I uh, should have done it differently or so. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah as, yeah. as a father and as a boss? Yeah,
1: yeah, mm. yeah, 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 both. And, and, and also, as a teacher, I sometimes I've prepared my lessons in a lousy way. And, um, yep, 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 yeah, 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 yeah.
0: and have you have you had any bosses yourself who you really haven't liked or rated Um,
1: no i've uh, uh, i've had a boss at at the university before i joined the international institute of social history with whom i had a a big fight in the end but at the end uh with whom I, I, I did not agree on, 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 on certain points, but at the same time, he is he's given me such a liberty and uh, such an inspiration. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I and, yeah, but that's, of course, <laughs> the older you become, uh, I, I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I've been such a lucky man in, in my life in, in, with my father, with my the, the few bosses that I've had, the opportunities that I've had. No, 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 no. Um, I'm not representative, I think.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I interviewed someone, an academic on this podcast, um, and she said... I know I have a number of friends who work in academia and of course it has changed enormously, certainly in the UK. The funding system has made uh, students into customers essentially, and a lot of them into no. ver- very unhappy customers on no. a very expensive system. Um, and and the, her this particular person, her path to where she is now doesn't really exist anymore. What advice would you give to someone wanting to have a career in academia now?
1: Ha. Huh. Um, yeah, that's difficult. That's really difficult because, well, the general advice would be, of course, again, follow your heart Do really what you like, and if you don't like it, don't do it. Uh, don't uh, don't waste your time. Uh, but uh, uh, two of my children, they, uh, they, they, I may say, were. Uh, very successful in university but both uh, have, have uh, uh, decided not to follow a, a, an academic career for all kind of obvious reasons and uh, not because they were not clever enough but all the the disadvantage and i think they were right they were totally right uh, it's uh, yeah, but but uh, what well of course, what, what is always so sad when people uh, become victims, but also stay victims uh, and, and then don't choose to, to quit with it. Uh, I, I do not mean uh, quit with the university after the first failed examination, of course, but you know what I mean. Huh? In, in the end, the, the, the big decisions don't. Don't well. If if I have to advise somebody, don't allow yourself to become a victim.
0: Yeah, in any job,
1: in any job, mm. in any job. That's uh, it, it. It is. It it is also so so terrible for yourself esteem. Right? if you have to say time and again, I've been a victim. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, life can be, can be very unpleasant, and for a lot of people it is. But still, try to maintain your pride and that you've at least um, done your best and, and, and not uh, stayed in, in, in an unhappy situation. I think, yeah,
0: I, um, I think it was Nora Ephron who wrote, uh, be the hero of your life, not the victim.
1: True, exactly. That's 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 nicely put. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know her, but uh, I I couldn't agree more. But uh, as again, uh, do I have the right to say so after such a happy life? Um, it, it's very easy. It is very easy for me to say so.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, one could also also uh, argue. One true. could also argue that it, if we go back to the whole autonomy thing, that. Um, happiness is a choice, up to a point. But we would be here all day if we were to discuss that. So, um, so I will, I will let you go now. But it's really, really nice to to meet you, Jan. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Well, good, good luck, good luck with the thank editing. Thank you, thank you. Really yeah. nice to meet you. Okay. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this conversation do subscribe to The Art of Work on Apple, Spotify or any of the main podcast directories and do share, rate it and leave a review. For tips, wisdom and advice about The Art of Work do follow at of Work on Twitter or at theartofwork.co on Instagram which is also the name of the website and do join me next week.